0: All
1: right, switching gears yet again. I told you it was going to be a busy show. It is. We're going to have a lot of different discussions, and we'll work in your calls as we go along. Right now, though, we're going to talk about what's going on with Canada's resettlement program of Afghan refugees, interpreters, and the like. Uh, We touch in on this. Well, let's see how they're doing, uh, because it's been a while now. We're going to chat with Jeff Semple, who is a senior correspondent for Global National, who recently spent some time in Afghanistan. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for joining us.
0: Hey, Shay. Great to be with you.
1: Um, Okay, so we know that we've seen some Well, some limited success, but some success nonetheless in getting people out of that country. Where are we at in terms of, you know, we made some pretty bold proclamations of how many we'd bring over. Where are we at so far?
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh, In fact, you'll remember we were in the midst of an election campaign when some of those bold proclamations (laughs) were being made. And the uh, Canadian government uh, promised to bring 40,000 Afghan refugees here to Canada. Uh, so far, a few months later, we've had seen fewer than 4,000 of those, so less than a tenth that have arrived here. Um, and, you know, we are talking about people, many of them, you know, thousands of them who directly supported Canada's military mission yeah. uh, in Afghanistan, of course, and their families. And, you know, last summer, as the Taliban was advancing, a lot of these Afghans were told, Uh, You know, a lot of them live in Kandahar. They were told to leave their homes, come to Kabul, some 10- or 11-hour drive away, because Canada was sending rescue flights to get these people out of there. But then, of course, as we know, everything went sideways. The Taliban took over much faster than most expected. And so, you know, hundreds of these people, thousands even, were, were basically left homeless. So they were living, many of them, in safe houses that had been urgently arranged by a number of Canadian veterans groups in Kabul, so we're talking, you know, secret apartments and, and hotel rooms for around 2,000 of these Afghans, where they could, you know, basically live and wait for their, for Canada to rescue them. Many of these uh, Afghans who we met during our trip to Kabul recently have received approval to get to, to go to Canada, mm-hmm. to, to, to arrive as refugees. But there's no safe route out of the country. There are very few flights. Um, You know, for a while they were trying to drive some of these Afghans out of the country across the border to Pakistan, for example. Now that has largely stalled. So you have many people who are just lying there, sitting there, waiting. And uh, what we've seen, Shay, in the last couple of weeks is the situation going from bad to worse, where a number of these, a lot of these safe houses have had to close because they've simply they were being paid for by private donations from Canadians and NGOs, and they've simply run out of money. And so far, the Canadian government has refused to provide any funding for those safe houses.
1: So what situation are they in now? I mean, what's what's the ultimate outcome? If it, Obviously, their plans on travel would be disrupted, but just their immediate futures.
0: Yeah, so a lot of them were essentially kicked out onto the street um, with nowhere to go. Um, some of them... Uh, tried to go back to their homes in Kandahar, but, uh, you know, a lot of them told me that the Taliban has have been has visited their homes in Kandahar looking for them. Uh, the Taliban had taken, basically taken over their homes and are now using their homes for their own purposes, the Taliban. Uh, so a lot of these people have nowhere to go. Um, you know, they left everything behind on the advice of, you know, the Canadians. And uh, so they are effectively stranded. And, I mean, every day now I'm getting, you know, Desperate messages and phone calls from these people who don't know what to do Um, And you know the Canadian NGOs and these veteran groups sort of feeling the same way They have been fighting for months now to get some kind of coherent plan from the Canadian government to help rescue these people Uh, As I say they do have approval to come to Canada, but they have no safe route out of the country We've seen the Americans for example NGOs sending flights to get people out But that's something that uh, the Canadian government so far hasn't been doing
1: First the bad news Jeff, we're a couple of months down the road here. It's not like this is still the panic situation. We've had some time to sort of get a process in place. Are we getting any progress on that process? It doesn't sound like it.
0: Uh, I mean, you know, we've talked even just this week with some of the Canadian veterans groups who are sort of, you know, fingers crossed, hoping that the government might be close to announcing something resembling a new plan. Uh, You know, ideally, they would like to get some flights in there, right? Because for weeks, especially in sort of September and October, some of these veterans groups were driving Afghan refugees out. So it's like an eight-hour drive. Treacherous trek through the mountains. They have to pass more than a dozen Taliban checkpoints. Um, I spoke to a number of these families. You know, these are people who supported the Canadian military. They're in the back seat of these cars with photos of the Canadian military that prove their relationship with Canada in their backpack, sitting on the back seat of the car as the Taliban is pulling them over. Um, so it's not a great way to get people out of the country. The best way would be to get them on airplanes, of course. Then you can start largely, yeah. moving larger numbers of people. But one of the lines that the, apparently one of the Canadian NGOs is receiving now is the Canadian government is you know, reluctant to provide funding for an airplane to get these people out because you know, some of that money might find its way you know, for, through taxes, for example, into the pockets of the Taliban. And the ta- Canadian government considers the Taliban a terrorist organization. doesn't want to fund terrorism. Um, But these are the kinds of answers that the Canadian veterans groups have been getting when they've been pushing for funding and for support to provide flights to get these people out of the country. Uh, So far, though, Shade, there is no official update on that. And, you know, basically, people are just sitting there waiting and praying that the Taliban doesn't find them.
1: Yeah, you know, Jeff, in reading some of the reporting that you're doing with Stuart Bell, um, some of the people, the stories that you're telling where, like, families are making the decision at the airport, okay, well, we we can't all go, so who's going to go? Families separated. It's just awful.
0: Yeah, there was one family whose story we're highlighting this week on Global News, Global National, as you alluded to there, Shay. where that's right. There was a family of four, uh, Fatima, her husband, Mohammed. They have two young kids, a five-year-old girl, three-year-old little boy. Uh, Fatima's brother was an interpreter with the Canadian military. And so he was told, you know, early on, bring your family to the airport. We'll try and get you out. They, f- they arrive at the airport. You'll remember those chaotic scenes, especially in August, where there were thousands of people desperately trying to get out of the country. So the family arrives there. They finally make their way to the entrance of the airport and the Canadian military tell them, sorry, we don't have room on the plane for everyone. um, So you'll have to make this choice. So the mother and the three-year-old son got on board the plane. The father and the five-year-old daughter had to stay behind. Uh, I met them when we were in Kabul. We met secretly, of course, and they have been moving you know, for three months now to different safe houses. Um, the little girl crying every day for her mother, but you have half the family in Surrey, B.C. now, and the other half hiding in safe houses in Kabul.
1: What's their prospects? What are they looking at in terms of will they be reunited? Do you have any kind of indication?
0: No, no indication at all. The father has applied to, to come to Canada, uh, but hasn't received a response yet. Yikes,
1: uh, Jeff! Great work. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Appreciate it. Thanks for highlighting,
0: Shay. Yeah, Take you care. Bet.
1: That's Jeff Simple, who is a correspondent with Global National. Um, just giving us some insight. And as I say, Jeff was there, uh, and and as you heard, met with some of these families where they're faced with Sophie's choice. Right? I mean, what do we do? We know we have to get out of here, but we all can't go. So who's going to go? Who's going to stay behind? It's just uh, and and the frustrating part here is. Um, you know, when the initial chaos took place at the Kabul airport, okay, that's a, that's a sudden development in a situation. Even then, you could have had a plan in place. But okay, whatever, you didn't. We're several months down the road from here, right? And we're still seeing the same issues play out. Uh, hopefully there's, and it's all NGOs, it's all, you know, it's all private groups that have been doing this. The government seems to be AWOL on this.